Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, the Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised, infallible, and impregnable word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's our Pastor Albert with today's word. Amen. Amen. This morning, I have entitled for our message, Free to Serve. How many are free this morning? Hallelujah. But we may not want to hear the word serve. Hallelujah. We're free. We're all free. But serving is another aspect of being free. Glory to God. And we're going to touch on that today. It's a very important quality in the life of every believer. Glory to God. And it's a valuable uh, a, a point to have in your walk. Amen. Let's open up our word to Mark chapter 10 verses 35 through 45. If you have it, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to read from verse 35 through 45 and the word of the Lord says, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Hallelujah. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand, and the other on your left in your glory. Jesus. What a request. <laughs> but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when, they, and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called to himself and said to them, or he called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That's how the world does things. Yeah. Amen. But yet it shall not be so among you. Turn to your neighbor and say, shall not. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be. Turn to your neighbor and say, shall be. Shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Ouch and amen. 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Glory to God. Saints of the Most High, you may take your seats this morning. Glory to God. This morning, we're looking at a very, very interesting portion of Scripture uh, 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 that gives us somewhat of a glimpse or an insight into the heart of two of Jesus' 12 disciples. Amen? We were uh, referring to James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And if you go in your Bible, you could just put this down for those that are taking notes. If you look at Matthew chapter 20... Uh, the mother of James and John also asked Jesus. So it was a family thing. Hallelujah. How, how many know sometimes things run deep in the family? Glory to God. But, but we see a little bit of a perspective from the heart of a loving mother. A, a, a mother wants their kids always to have the best seat. Glory to God. A mother wants to be uh, 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 praised for the, the works of their children. A mother even wants the recognition herself. I know that if my son is sitting to your left and to your right, everyone will look at me and say, wow, you did a good job with these boys. Praise the Lord. But here's the thing, and this is where it, the rubber meets the road. If you still have your your, your Bible open to, to Mark 10. If you go a few verses before this request, there's something very interesting that has been spoken of before they, they asked him. It says in verse 32 through 34 of that chapter, it says, Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Now here they are heading to Jerusalem. Jesus is telling them that when they get there, some terrible things are going to happen. The chief priest, the, the teachers of Israel are going to have him uh, 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 condemned to death. They're going to beat him. He's going to be betrayed, maybe by one of their, their own. He will be betrayed. He will be beaten. He will be scourged. He will be mocked. He will be put to death. They're going to legally condemn him. He even said, they're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. Do you know who the Gentiles were? The Romans. They're going to hand me over to Rome. And you know what Rome does to, to uh, criminals. You know what Rome, you know how Rome rolls, how they handle their problems. But he said, but don't worry because even though they will put me to death, in three days I will rise again. But think about this. What kind of horrendous news they just heard. Betrayal, death, resurrection. 
you would think that when they heard this, it would promote some type of different conversation. They would be saying other things. What? What did you say, Lord? What did you just tell me? You're going to be beaten. You're going to be mocked. They're going to betray you. Who's going to betray you? Is it me? What, what, what are you talking about? But instead, they heard those very words and they said, listen, we want you to do something for us. We got a little favor to ask of you. And then he goes, okay, bring it. What do you need me to do? This is just after he said those words. We want to sit at your right hand and on your, the other on your left. Can you believe that? His body wasn't even cold yet. He didn't even get into the ground. I mean, he wasn't even killed yet. And they're already thinking about what is in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? And worse yet, the other ten disciples that were on the road and heard that little request, they too got upset. And you know why they got upset? Because they didn't think of asking Jesus first. They said, man... They beat us to it. We should have asked him to sit on his right and on his left. Or I could have at least had a gold seat somewhere. Man, what was I thinking? I should have asked him for something. This is, this is the time. He's about to be killed. What's in it for me? Do you see the selfishness of the heart? Not one of them was concerned with his fate. Not one of them was concerned with what was about to take place. Not one of them said, oh, Lord, if that's the case, we got to hide you. We can't, what, what are you talking about? We're headed to Jerusalem? Are you kidding me? Let's go back. Let's turn around. Now, listen, if there ever was a time where Jesus could have been justifiably offended, that would have been the time. And we get offended over such little stuff. We come in, you know, I've been sitting in that chair for 30 years. Listen, I'm going to let you sit there today. But make no mistake, if I come back here and you're behind us in that chair, you and me are going to have a problem. God bless you. Have a good day. Am I telling the truth? We, we, we get angry over petty things. Oh, pastor didn't shake my hand today. He thinks he's all that. He got a new building and he thinks he arrived. I'm, I'm serious. It sounds petty, but this is how we treat each other, especially in the body of Christ. God forbid uh, uh, we, we walk in with the same outfit. Right? Well, that would be ladies. Guys would be like, yo, it looks good on you, kid. Yeah, man, you rocking that jacket. Yeah. Girls, no, that'd be a problem. I got to go back home. Take me home, honey. I got to change my dress. Take me home. We can't be looking at the same gear. It was just that sale was good. Listen, I make light humor, but the reality is we get offended over little stuff. We have to be careful what we say, careful how we act, careful what we do, because everything we do brings offense. Jesus said, it is impossible that no offenses will come. But woe to whom the offense comes. Right? Praise God. But let me just draw your attention a little bit to funerals. 
It's the one thing we don't really like to talk about, but hallelujah, every one of us has an appointment. 100% statistic, everyone in this room will die. One out of every one will die unless, of course, Jesus comes first. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says to me, hallelujah, that there will be some that will not taste death. I believe we're that generation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's a great message for another day, but not today. Hallelujah. So let's go back to the funerals. The funeral, that's the time when the vultures come out. I've seen so many families destroyed and even separated for years when someone dies. Instead of, of being in a, in a time of mourning and a time of grieving for the loss and a time of, of, of unity and coming together as a family and remembering the life and legacy and, and genuineness and friendship, you know, we're like, who gets the jewelry? Who gets the car? Who's taking the computer? That was my computer. I paid for that computer. It should come to me. I was the one that blessed them with that house. That should be mine. That, that, you know, and, and, and the vultures... And the scavengers come out for the spoils, the leftovers. Why? Because everybody is in the same place. What's in it for me? What do I get from all of this? And, and really, it is pure selfishness, pure ambition. And I'll even go and say it is prideful. Saints of God, this morning, we need to be weary of the sin, of the pitfalls of pride. Because we might think that we're not wrestling with that little sin, which actually is one of the greatest sins. But, but every one of us has to wrestle with that little sin, with that sin of pride. We got to make sure it doesn't creep in at any time. We know that Satan was kicked out of heaven because of that sin. Pride, it promises to serve and please but it will only try to make a fool out of you. Pride is a cheater. It will cheat you out of your God-given destiny. Pride will rob you of true greatness because you are too full of yourself. Pride will rob you of your relationships because no one will ever get to know the real you. Pride will cheat you out of God's glory because you're too busy seeking your own. Pride is always looking to make a great fool out of you. Let me give you a little illustration to prove the point. There's an army colonel. This guy is just a picture, amen? This guy's a really world-renowned famous guy, but I'm not going to give you his name. We're just using the picture. Amen? Because I don't want to disparage his legacy. But there's an army colonel who had just been promoted to his position of colonel. He was sitting in his office when someone knocked on the door and said, this is Private Johnson. May I see you, sir? He said, just a minute. Wanting to impress the private, he picked up his phone and began speaking out real loud. Yes, sir, Mr. President. I understand, Mr. President. We'll take care of that right away, Mr. President. Thank you so much, Mr. President. Then the colonel said, Mr. President, can you hold for one moment? There's someone here in my office. The colonel turns to the private and says, Listen, what do you need, private? And be quick, 
because the president is on hold. What can I do for you? The private said, sir, I'm here to connect your phone. <laughs> Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride can catch us all at a moment of weakness. Hallelujah. Let me give you another one. And I was very careful to use a silhouette. There was a lady that came to her pastor and said, Pastor, I am in great need of counseling. I've got this terrible sin that I'm dealing with. I can't seem to shake it. The sin keeps messing with me and I can't get rid of it. The pastor became concerned and asked her, Sister, what seems to be the problem? The lady responds, Every time I come to church on Sunday, I can't help but think I'm the prettiest woman in the whole room. I look at all the other ladies and they can't even hold a candlestick compared to me. What should I do, pastor? He says, Dear sister, that's not a sin. That's a mistake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please don't throw no rocks at me. Praise God. I'm just trying to be funny. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But, but the thing is, sometimes we think of ourselves a little bit more high than we ought. And, and we have to remember to stay low. Praise God. Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, that to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. James 4, 6 through 10, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Hallelujah. These are hard words, but these are words that will set you free. These are words that will put you on a solid foundation. These are words that will add to your walk with Christ. And it will surely help that sin of pride from creeping in. Here, this morning we were talking about James and John. They were looking for status. They were looking for position. They showed their ambition, their selfishness. They showed the essence or the core of their nature. Most importantly, they showed that they were human. Many of us most likely would have done the same thing. You might say, well, maybe not, but think of it. How many of us have gone to our parents? Mom, dad, who gets the house when you die? Who gets the car? Mom, dad, did you put any money in savings for us? Is there any money for my children's college fund? What happens, and this is sad but true, 
familiarity. It breeds contempt. And sometimes when, when we become familiar, especially leadership, when you become familiar, what happens is everything is great as long as you're getting the benefits of the relationship. You think of it at work. When you become friends with your boss at work, everything is cool so long as you're getting the best schedule, so long as you get to go home early, so long as you get to take the extra 20 minutes on your lunch break, so, so long as everything is beneficial to you, your boss is the bomb diggity. My boss is the bomb. But the minute the boss says, listen, today I need you to stay late. Today I need you to unload that truck. Today I need you to sweep the floors. The cleaning people, oh, they were fired. Today you got to clean your own office. You got to throw out your own trash. <laughs> Who does he think he's talking to? And that's what happens. Familiarity. People lose respect for you once they become familiar. As long as it's beneficial, they're fine. But, but once it ruffles their feathers, they want to quit you. Or they want to secure their spot. Or, or they want to leave or, or, or do something different. How beautiful it is that Jesus knew about their nature. He didn't get offended. He never lost patience. He was never irritated. But what he did do is he gently pointed them to the truth. And he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Now, he had just explained to them what was going to happen to him. And I don't think they paid much attention. But they answered quickly. And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to drink it. But because God knows all things, because he knows the beginning from the end, he says, you know what? You will indeed drink of this cup. You will be baptized with my baptism. Let me just tell you, James, one of the guys we we're referring to, he was the first of the disciples to be martyred for the faith. Acts 12.2 said that James was put to death by the sword. Many believe he was decapitated. The apostle John, he was boiled in hot oil. But he survived. And then he was banished to the island of Patmos until he was an old man. And then they finally set him free when he was all used up and old and could do nothing left. James drank the cup of death as a martyr. But John drank the cup of suffering, of pain, of imprisonment, of banishment, and even disfigurement. Let me tell you, if you're boiled in hot oil, even if you survive, you're, you're never going to look the same. And that's one thing people don't talk about. He must have been hideous to look at. What about our cup? What cup are we willing to drink for the Lord? I mean, think about that. Really think about that. Are we willing to suffer for God? When we call out evangelism, street evangelism, how many actually say, you know what? There's a world out there that needs to hear the truth. There's a world out there that's dying. I need to get my behind out there. Or, you know what? Brother, somebody else will do it. Right? Like I said last week, every church has a member named somebody else. Somebody else will evangelize. Somebody else will pray for the sick. Somebody else will open the doors. Somebody else will throw out the trash. 
What cup are we willing to drink? Lord, here am I, send me. What are we willing to do for the Lord? He has done so much for you and I. We have clothes on our back. We have a roof over our head. We have a car with air conditioning. Praise God. And if your air conditioning ain't working, just put some AC fluid in there and it's back. Hallelujah. We've got so much blessings. We are, are, are blessed. We are so blessed that we got to join a gym. We, we got to lose weight. We're so blessed. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. What are we willing to do for Christ, for the Lord God who has done so much for us? Our kids are brilliant. They're smart. You know, they're, they're healthy. We've, we've got so much to be grateful for. Our culture, our society, we don't want our feathers ruffled. We want to take the path of least resistance. If it doesn't cost me anything, I'll do it. If it doesn't cost me anything, I'll go. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to give. We want the easy road. No one wants to cry. We don't want to shed any tears. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to be persecuted. We don't want to struggle. But how many know that the cup that God gives us to drink, we don't take a sip from the cup. It's a lifelong cup. The cup is from the time you receive Christ to the time you die. It is a cup. And whatever he pours, we drink. Hallelujah. And we're either drinking of the cup that he has prepared for you or you don't drink at all. There's a Roman coin. Uh, uh, if anybody knows anything about me, I'm a numismatic. I collect coins. I got a big collection. And this one that I would love to have, this one right there. This is a Roman coin, but, but this is pretty awesome. Right? There's an ox on this coin, and there's an altar, and there's a, a field that needs to be plowed. And the inscription on this coin says, ready for both. The ox is ready to work the field, but he's ready to be laid on an altar of sacrifice and die for his master. Ready for both. Think of that. How many are ready to plow the ground for Christ Jesus? How many are ready to forge ahead, no matter what cost, in the hot sun, in the rain, in the winter? And how many are ready to lay their life down for the Lord? Are we willing to drink the cross or the cup of Christ's suffering? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. At not one single time in the entire word of God do we hear Jesus say, come to me and everything's going to be all right. Not once do we hear Jesus go, don't worry, be happy. Not once. Right? That's an 80s song. I, I dated myself. All right, praise God. The kids are like, Pastor, where are you going with that? Hallelujah. But Jesus told us the truth. He said, this, this walk will be a painful walk. It, my wife calls it a bloody walk. This is a bloody walk. 
It is not for the faint of heart. You need courage. You need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. You need Holy Spirit boldness to walk this walk. It will take you to places you never thought you would be. It would, it would carry you to places you never thought you would go. You will be put in a position that you never thought you'd be. You would be seated in a chair you never thought you would be seated in. God can bring you before kings and queens. Hallelujah. And God can bring you before uh, uh, janitors and, and, and people of all stature. Homeless people. Addicted people. People that are, are, are in a sex trade. All kinds of people. Jesus said, this world will hate you because of me. You will have troubles. Offenses will come. You may even lose your friends and family and loved ones. You will have to lose your very life for me. But he also said, those that stand firm to the end shall be saved. He said, for you guys to sit at my right hand and at my left is not for me to give. Let me ask you a question. Who in this room doesn't want to be great? It's not necessarily a bad thing to want to achieve greatness. It seems like an honest and wholesome request. If I were to perish, if I were to go to, to meet the Lord before he should return, and my wife and my children were, were left behind and the church were left I'd want people to say, he was a great man. He was a great father. I'd want my wife to say, he was a great husband. I'd want my brothers and sisters to say, pastor was a great friend. He was a great brother. I'd even want little kids to say, he was my friend. You know, we, we want greatness in this world. It's not a bad thing to desire greatness. But how we go about achieving the greatness is where the rubber meets the road. God gave us all an ego. It's not necessarily a sin to have an ego. We don't kill the ego, but what we're supposed to do is lay it down, surrender it unto Christ. True greatness in life is not about being dominant or being the best at anything. We hear the term, if you're a sports person, GOAT. The greatest of all time. And everybody wants to be the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. But to be great in God's eyes, to be great is to become a servant. To be great is to serve others. To be great is to serve others as unto God. Jesus made one of the most powerful statements in the word. He says, whomever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever shall be first shall be slave of all. That's a great word. A life-setting word. Free. Life, uh, a free-setting word. There's a quote by Dr. Ed Cole. He was one of the founders of uh, the Christian Men's Network, Maximize Manhood Ministries. One of the most, uh, the, the hugest, if not the, the largest men's ministry on planet Earth today. It is international, worldwide, world-renowned ministry. There was a statement he made when he learned something as a young man. And this statement says, you are only qualified to lead 
to the degree you're willing to serve. In other words, you can't tell somebody dig a hole if they haven't seen you jump in the hole first and dig it out. You're only qualified to lead to the degree you're willing to serve. He re re recants one time in his life where he was uh, trying to earn uh, his college tuition and, and seminary. And he didn't have enough money, so he took on a job as the, the college uh, uh, janitor. So he would study all day, go to class, do his homework, and then at night, being tired, he would go and clean the building and clean the bathrooms and clean the toilets. And there was one time he was on his hands and knees with his coveralls and he had his little toilet brush and his rag and his rubber gloves and he was in there cleaning all the toilets and cleaning the floor. And one of the pastors and professors that were the teachers went into the urinal next to him and peed right next to him, splashing on him and everything and laughed at him and says, don't forget that spot. And he said, as humiliated as he was, he learned that statement. The Lord said, listen, you're only qualified to lead to the degree you're willing to serve. And God crystallized that truth in his life. And that, from that point on, he finished school. His ministry blew up. It became worldwide, world-renowned. And most likely the guy that told him that in the bathroom was probably a, a, a member or, or part of the, the ministry years later. And probably reading some of his books. See, saints of God, we've all been set free. The Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Glory to God. Romans 8, 2, it says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You are not bound by the law. You have been set free. The grace of Christ is sufficient for you. We sang a song earlier. We're free to love, free to live, free to serve and to forgive. Hallelujah. Galatians 5. Listen very closely. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use that liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, use your freedom to love and to serve. That's what truly keeps you free. Hallelujah. Another word for liberty is privilege and freedom. And we're not to use our freedoms to serve ourselves. And this is exactly what these disciples were trying to do. We want to serve others. There's a, a class that we're doing on Wednesday nights called The Bait of Satan. It's an old book, praise God. But we are revisiting that book. But there's an expert, a, a excerpt of that book that I want to read. Just a couple of sentences. It says, what is the difference between a slave and a servant? It says, there is freedom in serving, but there is bondage in slavery. A slave is one who has to serve, but a servant is one who lives to serve or gets to serve. A slave does the minimum requirement. A servant reaches the maximum potential. A slave goes one mile. A servant goes the extra mile. A slave is bound. A servant is free. A slave fights for his rights, whereas a servant lays down his rights. Saints of God, the greatest servant that ever walked on earth was Jesus Christ. 
He came to serve and not to be served. He says in verse 45 of that same chapter we read, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be king. He was already a king. He's the king of kings. But he came as a lowly servant. He came to serve, to lay down his life for those that he loves. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth. Hallelujah. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. People of God, we need to stay low. We need to stay humble. And in due time, God will lift you up. Uh, Pastor Bevere, the same guy that wrote the book, he had a statement. He says, if you want a promotion, how many are looking for a promotion at work? He says, I have a surefire way of getting a promotion at your job. He says, if you want a promotion, start serving and stop working. If you serve as unto the Lord, because bosses are always looking for servants, looking for those that will go the extra mile. He said, you want to get a promotion? Stay late. Start serving. And when the boss looks at you and says, hey, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be home. Say, listen, this had to be done. I'm here. It had to be done. I'm taking care of it. I love working here. It is a privilege for me to serve. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's definitely talking about you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Whatever you do, saints of God, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Serving is actually giving. And giving is serving. It's one and the same. The body of Christ should be the most giving people on the face of planet Earth. All throughout the word of God, we see giving is consistent with God's nature. Jesus gave all, hallelujah, and he held nothing back. The truest meaning of giving is serving. They're interdependent. They go hand in hand, serving others at your own expense. That really is the mark of a great leader. Those that want to be great, they must be servants first, hallelujah. Ephesians 5.21, it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Yes, submission. That's the word that's used. Submission. Listen, submission is never a problem as long as we agree. You could submit to anyone that you agree with. You'll do whatever is asked of you if you agree. But it's when you disagree that true submission becomes evident. If you disagree, that's where you know if you're submitted. When pastor says to do something, can you help here? Can you? Why can't he do it? 
I'm, I'm always doing, you know. That's true submission. When you just say, yes, yes, let's do it. Let's do it together. Praise God. You need help? Count me in. At what time you need me there? That's true submission. 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, you're benefiting each other. You're not hoarding your gift. You're not uh, keeping it to yourself, but you're sharing it with the world. Amen? Jesus said, to be great, we must first serve. It's opposite of the world system. Most people will not do anything for anyone unless it benefits themselves. Let me give you another illustration. There's a girl. We'll name her Betty. She had broken up with her long-term boyfriend, Jimmy. She left him because she didn't want to be with him anymore. But after about a year of being broken up and alone, she wrote Jimmy a heartfelt letter. She wrote, Jimmy, I miss you so bad. I think about you every day and night. You dominate my mind and you consume every one of my thoughts. I can't be without you any longer. You complete me. I don't ever want to be away from you. Please, let's get together again. I want to be with you forever and ever. Let's reconnect. And she continued to pour out her heart on this letter. And at the bottom of the letter, she finished by writing, P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. It's amazing what people will do when there are personal benefits involved. Listen, why did Jesus speak to John and James about serving? Because serving is not automatic. It's not just a byproduct of being a believer. Serving is a direct result of our intimacy with God. Let me, let me just ask you to pay attention. I, I'm going to say some things that's going to knock your socks off. Serving is a choice that we make once we experience the nature and the love of God. Serving is the overflow which pours from a life filled with love and devotion to God. Serving is a reflection of our relationship and identification with God. Serving should become a natural part of our lives as we go deeper in our love relationship with God. Yes. Serving to God is a deliberate love gift of our nature that has heard and responded to the call of God. Serving becomes an expression of that very nature. And that's what it means when we're talking about being free to serve when we're born again, we're waited on by everyone, we're focused on, we're served by others until we grow and mature in Christ, or at least that's how it should be. But as time goes on, we start to grow and crawl and walk and run and, and then talk and mature, and, and spiritually we become mature in Christ Jesus. There are many churches that are filled with spiritual babies who refuse to grow up. They'd rather be spoon-fed for life. What do I mean by being spoon-fed? 
Pastor, you feed me on Sunday so that I have something to feed on all week long. But they get home and won't feed themselves. Monday through Saturday, the Bible is so dusty that they come Sunday. I have to do one of these. We call it Peter Pan Christian. The, the never, never land, right? You never want to grow up. Or a Toys R Us Christian. I'm a Toys R Us kid, right? I don't even know how the song goes, praise God. Right? But I never want to grow up. There comes a time in Christ Jesus we need to grow up. We can't remain in perpetual state of infancy. We have to learn how to read the word, how to pray, how to study, how to worship, how to seek God for ourselves, how to lay a hand on your own head, how to pray yourself through the roof, hallelujah, and get into the presence of God so that things will change in your family, in your church, at your job, everywhere you go. But those that refuse to grow are stifled and underdeveloped, unnatural, diseased, and as a result... They can't serve anyone. They don't know how to serve and they won't serve because they don't want to serve. And I liken them typically to the takers, the complainers. They're the ones that do nothing but complain about everything. It's too hot. It's too cold. This or that. They should put a picture up there. Put the, complaining about everything but won't lift a finger to help anything. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You still love me this morning? You ain't afraid? Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry, it's going to get better. Hallelujah. Natural growth is automatic. If you provide food and shelter and water and, and sustenance, growth is automatic. But how many know that spiritual growth is not automatic? Spiritual growth is intentional. You need to choose to grow. You need to choose to get out of that funky place. You need to choose to grow up. Hallelujah. Turn your neighbor and say, grow up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There are people that love to serve. They have the gift of serving. Serving is natural to them. It's God-given. They're passionate about serving others, and it shows. Listen to this verse in the Word of God. It is powerful. 1 Corinthians 16, 16. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Praise God. With so many addictions and vices that are out there, how about becoming addicted to the ministry of the brethren, to the ministry of the saints, to the ministry of those outside that need a helping hand, that need a touch of God, that need to experience the love of God. How many of them are suicidal? How many of them are going through questions without answers? How many of them need hope, need some type of sustenance? And we have the answer. 
Hallelujah. You can tell those that are addicted to serving. They're the ones that are always around, cleaning, cooking, giving, sending cards, thoughtful emails, encouraging others, giving of their time and talent and treasury, helping others in need, uh, doing physical labor, coming and mowing lawns for single moms, uh, buying clothes, blankets, hats, and gloves, and offering up prayers, and visiting people in the hospital, visiting the nursing homes, and just doing all kinds of unselfish and unconditional loving things. They have a can-do attitude. They're always positive. They're not complainers. Hallelujah. They enjoy to serve others. They do it with a cheerful heart. How beautiful would it be if the entire body of Christ rose up and served one another. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to come to my close. Hallelujah. This is my first close. Praise God. I'm going to put up some verses of scripture so that you can write them if you're doing a note thing. Hallelujah. But, but I'm going to read them really quickly. Luke 16, 13. It says, no servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So I say to everyone today, pick a side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Either you're all in or you're not. Either you serve God with all you have or you don't have them at all. Praise God. Pick a side. Glory to God. So that you can live that free life. Glory to God. Well, sorry. John John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, my Father will honor him. Did you know that you get the favor of God when you begin to serve others? God will honor you. Stay close to him. Romans 7, 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we would serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So you are no longer under the bondage of the law. You have been set free. So in that freeness, in that newness of spirit, begin to serve out of love. 1 Corinthians 4, 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. How many know that you represent heaven here on earth? You represent God. You are a steward, an ambassador. So we need to act accordingly. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 9.19 For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. In your service unto God, in your service unto people, more will be drawn to the body of Christ in the way that you love them, in the way that you serve them. All people will know you are my disciples in the manner in which you love one another. And why should serving be so important to you and I? Because it's important to God. You become an extension of God's hands, and he gets glorified in our servants and our service to others. Amen? I'll close with this. God sees those who serve as great. Servants are leaders. Leaders who are free to serve. On Wednesday night, we had like a monsoon of rainstorm out here. And my wife said, Honey, I don't think anybody's coming to church today. But you know what I told her? I said, Praise God, because tonight 
is Leadership yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. And she said, Leadership Wednesday? I didn't know we were doing a leadership class. I went and said, no, no. Tonight is Leadership Wednesday. And she's again saying, what are you talking about? Leadership Wednesday. Aren't you doing a, leadership, a new members class at the end of the... No. Tonight is Leadership Wednesday. I said, let me tell you why it's Leadership Wednesday. Because only those that have giftings and call to be a leader are going to be the ones walking through the doors tonight. Because it's ugly outside. Everything is perfectly cozy in the house. I just had my rice and beans and my chuleta, hallelujah, and my ensalada with some tomatoes, and I'm good. Deuces. You could go to church tonight. I'm staying home. Look out there. You think I'm going to get my hair wet? So my hair will pop out, cha-cha-cha-chia. I ain't trying to get wet right now. Oh, no. You go without me. Listen, the leadership those that, that are hungry for God, those that are thirsty for God, those that, that are not afraid of some rain or some heat or broken air conditioner or some snow or some slippery ice, hallelujah, those are the leaders of the future. Those are the ones that, that have that leadership heart. Why? Because they're willing to serve. It's all about service. Amen? Inasmuch, Matthew 25, 40, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Saints of God, if you take anything away from today's message, if you wish to be great, if you wish to be a leader, if you wish to be utilized by the Spirit of God, stay low, humble yourselves, Go before the presence of God and just become a servant to all. And in due time, God will lift you up. Amen. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. We're able to bring this message to you because of the generous support of listeners like you. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? For a love offering of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a CD copy of today's message. To make a donation is easy. Please visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-342-9989. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-342-9989. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.